Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. I have earned my shame. All is right with the world. I just don't care. <laughs> st- you do not have the context. But trust me, it makes I sense. I don't. <laughs> I, I am not on the inside of this joke. I can, in- oh my gosh, I was going to say I can invite you inside, but that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> I'm not tired at all. This is me when my wits are sharp. We're in top form today. <laughs> top from the bottom. <laughs> I want to blame this on alcohol or something, but I can't. This is all me. This is why we love you, Em. Oh, that's why? Okay. Good to know. Well, that's why I love you. (laughs) True. You shouldn't speak for others. (laughs) True. Today we'll be discussing The Right Swipe by Alicia Rye. When former linebacker Samson re-enters entrepreneur Rhiannon's life after previously ghosting her, she must decide whether he deserves a second chance. There will be spoilers beyond this point. So, what is the state of Rhiannon's love life when we first meet her? The first line of this book is, Rhiannon Hunter worshipped at the altar of no man. She has closed herself off to any possibility of love. Opening herself up to others is a big no. Let's talk a little bit about Rhiannon's backstory. Okay. So, Rhiannon was raised by a single mom. She has one brother, Gabe. And her mom was a housekeeper for wealthy people. And as a result, her brother and Rhiannon were able to get into more prestigious schools. That was one of the benefits of her mother's work. When Rhiannon got older, she was accepted into Harvard, went for a while, dropped out, and helped a guy start a swiping dating app called Swipe. Because in this world, there is no Tinder. There is no grinder. The world may or may not be better for it. <laughs> there is no okay Cupid. So the premier swiping app was what she helped create, which was Swipe. But the CEO of the company, Peter, is a major asshole. That's a, a very inclusive insult. Yeah, that's the most inclusive a- insult because everyone has an asshole. Evolutionarily speaking, we all started off as assholes. Anyway, moving on. Mouth to asshole. We're just a long tube. We're a long meat tube. Basically. (laughs) Wow, did we get off track real quick. (laughs) But Peter hasn't evolved much beyond long meat tube because he's an asshole. Like, that's his defining characteristic. Rhiannon was in a relationship with him, and when they ended it because he was abusive... He started a whisper campaign against her. Basically, she's a gold digger. She's a whore. She's a horrible person. And turned a bunch of people against her. And she ended up having to leave Swipe, like, in shame. I don't think there's evidence in the text to, like, if she quit or if she was fired. I think she quit. I think she got bullied into quitting. Yeah, that's the sense I got. But shortly after that, she goes to her BFF, Katrina who's a retired model and extremely wealthy. Katrina asks her, well, if you could, what would you do? 
And Rhiannon's guiding principle has always been success is the best revenge. Ever since she was a kid getting bullied in school. So she's like, I would make a better swiping dating app than swipe. And Katrina becomes a silent investor, hands Rhiannon a check and says, go for it. And so Rhiannon creates Crush, which is the premier inclusive women-centered swiping app that has millions and millions and millions of users. Like it is extremely successful. So at the beginning of the story where the book starts, Rhiannon is looking to grow her company. And the way that she wants to grow it is she wants to buy out another dating company called Matchmaker, which is super old school. Like Matchmaker started as like a pen and paper personality test type of deal and has expanded to being online and has an app now, but is still very old school. And what she wants to do is she wants to buy Matchmaker and have like crush for now, matchmaker forever type of thing. And she's been trying to meet with the owner of Matchmaker, whose name is Annabelle, to propose buying out her company. And Annabelle has been super elusive. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't make it easy. She makes them work for it. So because Annabelle is so elusive, one of the things Rhiannon does is like a stalker, finds out where she lives and goes off for a weekend renting a house like right next door practically to where (laughs) Annabelle lives hoping to quote run into her unquote (laughs) you know (laughs) or organically which is this is an unsuccessful attempt but while she's there she's bored and she uses her own dating app crush to find herself some company and she makes a match with someone named Samson and they share a wonderful, hot, sexy night together. Rhiannon kind of has like a policy, like this is just a one night stand. I have no expectations. You shouldn't either. Samson basically begs her for a second date and she relents, but then he ghosts her. Not cool, man. And due to Rhiannon's past, Like, the whole situation with Peter, this is incredibly devastating to her. I think more devastating than it should have been, honestly. Do you think maybe some trauma or whatever was involved, or she was just a little too attached? There had to have been some sort of something else involved, trauma or something. Because, okay, she comes out of an abusive relationship. She tells herself, okay, I'm only going to do one night stands. The heart is no longer in play. She allows herself to extend one little pinky finger of trust toward this guy. And he ghosts her. And she just goes full, like full burned bridge. I'm deleting his number. I'm unmatching from him. I'm never talking to him again. Blah, blah, blah. But he's going to take up a lot of space in my brain. Yeah, I'm going to say that I'm over it, but really not so much. Yeah, because she agreed to a second date and he ghosted her. I just, I don't know. Being ghosted sucks, right? We can all agree. We can all agree being ghosted sucks. Agreed. But this was a one night stand turned second date. And I'm sorry. I don't care how good the sex is. It's a fucking one night stand turned date. 
Like, <laughs> there had to have been something else to make her, like, that affected, I think. Yeah. And she and she does she does have the history of the abusive relationship, but I don't know. It's so tricky, because so many characters in romance novels in general just seem way more... The story has to have them be attached and attracted. Sometimes it happens too quickly, and there's a... I don't know, it just... It feels too soon or wrong or something. I don't know, though. Do you think she was attached? Because Samson was. Samson was attached. I think she saw it more as, like, an ego thing. Yeah, I think that's more accurate, too. Like, a personal slight. Because, I mean, given her background with fellow students in her, you know, primary and secondary school and stuff, like, she read way too much and his not showing up. Oh, yeah. And that, to me, just feels like, well, clearly that must be a wound from, like, childhood or something. Because why would someone who seems so fortified otherwise be that level of wounded? Unless it's a deep cut. I think that's a good insight. I think it probably does go back to her childhood experience. Because she does have the trauma from the abusive relationship with Peter. But why was that so traumatic for her? Why did she hide that? Why didn't she bring that to light? Well, I think she... She kind of explains why. I think she sort of interpreted Peter's behavior as a, he's only doing it to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that goes back to childhood too, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's Possibly. only, it's only, I am the target of, for all these other students, therefore it's just happening to me. Because I think later too, like when we meet her brother, Gabe, she makes a point to say, like, everybody loves Gabe. <laughs> Gabe has had an easy life compared to her. Yeah, which makes me think, like, when they were both going to these these same sort of expensive schools, he wasn't having the same sorts of issues that she was having. You know, it's pointed out later in the story when we meet some people from her childhood that she, she did have people she was friends with, so she wasn't without friendships. But she's very exclusive about it, though. She's very exclusive about who about who she lets in. She she is, and plus her friends from childhood, they were sisters. They all had each other, but she still was just her. Because, of course, there goes Gabe getting along with everyone and having a swell time. So after, after that fateful night, wherein she got ghosted, she returns home. She's at this tech conference called Create... And there's a matchmaker event at the conference that she wants to go to to try to, again, see Annabelle in person. She gets into the event, and they're doing this whole presentation. They're doing a new spokesperson. They're making some changes with how matchmaker is publicized. Yeah, how it reaches the audience. It's, well, not audience, but intended users. It's demographics. Yeah, how it's advertised. Right? Yes. One of the um, major changes that they're making is they have a new spokesperson who is a former NFL linebacker who happens to be named Samson. They have his picture up on the screen and Rhiannon recognizes him. (laughs) And this just sends her into a spiral. Like she's just, oh, Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, you know that TikTok, the oh, no, no? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think I think that's this moment for her. <laughs> Very well, might be. 
you know, he's he's doing a speech. Part of his gig as the new spokesperson is he has a profile on Matchmaker and he's looking for love. And he will be going on dates with people he matches with. If the woman he matches with agrees, the date will be filmed as part of the ad campaign. As he's talking, he sees Rhiannon. And his perception of, as he calls it, that night (laughs) is completely different (laughs) from Rhiannon's. Because, yes... It was a one night stand. Yes, he begged her for a second date. Then he had an extreme family emergency, and that's why he ghosted her. And he's thinking right after that happened, he tried to contact her to let her know and apologize, but she'd unmatched him and he had no other contact info. Ever since then, she's been the one who got away. He's thinking, oh, good, I can explain it to her. <laughs> And then things will be fine. (laughs) Oh, look, my opportunity to make amends. This won't go horribly wrong. (laughs) Meanwhile, Rihanna's like, nerp. And so she's like, the second he's talking and they make eye contact and she knows that he knows that she knows that he knows, la la la. She's like, nerp. (laughs) And she bails. Like she's out. After he's done talking... He's trying to wade through this crowd of people. He's supposed to do meet and greets, you know? (laughs) He's trying to brush off these people so he can go chase after his dream girl. And when he finally gets outside and catches her, she is ice cold. (laughs) The following day, they're still at this tech conference, Create, and they have a live interview with the host of a talk show called Good Night Live. And the host's name is Helena. And it's a dual interview. So both Rhiannon and Annabelle are supposed to be interviewed. But Annabelle does not want to be interviewed. Annabelle has, I think, they don't really talk about in depth, but she has some sort of anxiety. She's elusive. She doesn't enjoy being in the public. And she kind of has anxiety about stuff, I think. Do you think that's also like a childhood trauma? For Annabelle? Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be, but... I mean, you could have social anxiety for any number of reasons, I suppose. That's true. And and the book, do, I mean, there's no textual evidence for it, for any of that, so. I was just curious with her level of elusiveness. That's true. Of course, she does have, I mean, originally Matchmaker was run by two sisters, and the other sister, Jennifer, was the face of the company. And it kind of makes me think that maybe you know, their family dynamic growing up, maybe Jennifer was the protector of the siblings or something like that, you know? And maybe possibly Annabelle didn't have to develop those skills or work to beat them or whatever, and she was allowed to just be the way she is. I don't know, but that's all speculation. Yes, it seemed like Jennifer was more assertive. Annabelle is um, is pretty eccentric, too. Yeah. So there's that aspect of it, too. Like, maybe she just doesn't care about forming relationships or maybe like maybe people don't look maybe people didn't seek her out because she was eccentric i don't know it's weird or the kinds of relationships she wants to include or the ones that would just accept that part of her sort of use it as like a test like oh well clearly you're not ready to accept this i would say that's accurate i would say that's accurate that she 
She's like, take me as I am or not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So Annabelle bails on this interview and as a result asks Samson, who happens to be her nephew, to cover for her. So at the interview, there's Helena, Rhiannon, and Samson. Sounds cozy, right? Yes. <laughs> Rhiannon is well known in the tech community. During during this interview, it's clear like the crowd loves her and she's very well spoken. Samson and Rhiannon kind of exchange like that. No, no, I don't know you. No, no, we've just met. Sort of. <laughs> Let's just not pretend that this horrible, embarrassing moment ever happened. <laughs> uh, during the interview, um, one of the things that they discuss is the way um, online dating has changed the language used around dating. And one of the terms that they bring up is ghosting. And Rhiannon basically says, never give a ghoster a second chance. When Samson is asked, like, for his response to the same sort of questions, he's like, well, that's fair for the most part, but sometimes there are extenuating circumstances. (laughs) Yeah. Which is fair. (laughs) And it makes sense why you would have that opinion, because he's like, wait a minute. I'm getting a lot of hostility from that area. Uh, Yeah. But Rhiannon responds to that and says, trust in relationships is like fragile glass. How can you build on a cracked foundation? How can you be sure you're getting the truth? You have to protect your own heart. No one else will do it for you. Well. (laughs) Which is like a personal message to Samson on stage (laughs) in front of a giant crowd. (laughs) After that, Katrina... Yeah, she's got, like, what, agoraphobia, right? Or something? Yeah, we we don't really know what Katrina's deal is, but yeah, Katrina doesn't go outside often. Um, Rhiannon technically lives with Katrina, but basically she works in the city, and then on the weekend she goes and stays at Katrina's house. Like, that's how Rhiannon sees it. But she's talking to Katrina about the situation with Samson and reveals that Samson was the guy who had ghosted her. Katrina kind of recognizes Samson's name. Like she real like she remembers, oh, there was some drama when he retired from the NFL. And then she says, you know, I wonder if the timing of when he goes to you fits with and she gets up her phone and she looks up something, and it turns out his uncle died a couple days after he ghosted Rhiannon. And this kind of gives Rhiannon like a little bit of a sinking feeling in her gut. Like <laughs> Ew. Perhaps I reacted poorly. (laughs) Katrina says, did he try to talk to you at the conference? And Rihanna's like, well, yeah, he he chased me. Like, he chased (laughs) me down. And then she says, 99% of the time, immediate block for ghosting, right? This might be the 0.01% time when a ghoster wasn't being a total cowardly dog. Hmm. And Katrina says, so he hurt you when he ghosted you doesn't it bring you some closure to know it wasn't about you at all and then the next line is he didn't hurt me Rhiannon snapped <laughs> uh oh <laughs> the claws <laughs> <laughs> and Katrina's just like oh of course of course he didn't hurt you my mistake <laughs> that wasn't crying I was hearing 
That was a small rainstorm. <laughs> yeah, I like this exchange between them because it shows how close they are. Mm-hmm. Like, Katrina knows Rhiannon really well. Enough to know, like, okay, I will push the button and then retreat. <laughs> but they discuss it a little bit longer. And then Rhiannon decides, you know, maybe I should try to talk to him and let him explain himself. And maybe that'll be some closure. Hey, look, the characters are going to talk to each other. You like that. <laughs> yeah, I do. But <laughs> she, she, she also has an ulterior motive for this. Well, you can't have everything. Sometimes you got to, you know, <laughs> compromise. Because Katrina's like, yeah, yeah, do whatever will make you feel better. Of course. I, I think in Katrina's head, she's like, please, Rhiannon, talk to the guy. You really <laughs> liked him. But she's all, oh, oh, yes, do what's right for you. (laughs) And then Rhiannon says, I do want to see him again, but not necessarily for an apology. I want to see him so I can redeem myself and also so I can ask him to talk to Annabelle for me. Ulterior motive. (laughs) Katrina's like, no, you should not do that. Do not use him. Why? (laughs) We kind of switched to Samson's point of view. He has had a really hard time feeling motivated about going on dates as part of this campaign because he's found her, the girl from that night. (laughs) He doesn't need anyone else. That's the one he wants. (laughs) Insta attraction. Yay. We get some of his backstory. He's having a, a lunch with his friends. I think it's a lunch. Anyway, he's having a get together with his friends who are both, um, I think they're also both retired football players. And we learn um, some more about Samson. So Samson comes from a line of football players. Like his dad was really big. His uncle Joe was really big. And Samson was really big. And his dad and his uncle Joe actually both had chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE which is a progressive and fatal brain disease derived from repeated traumatic injury, which is something that happens in football. Yes, too many knocks to the head. His dad's personality actually changed as a result of the damage he had. Like initially, Samson's father was a kind, awesome, fun dude. And then after... He turned into an angry, unstable person. And even with his uncle, that was part of why his health declined. The same issue is why Samson no longer plays, why he retired from football, was because one of his friends had gotten injured during play, had received a concussion, and they were going to send him back out into the game. And Samson said, If you send him back out, I'm going to walk, and I'm not coming back. Man of principles. And he did. He walked. And as a result, many fans of his team labeled him traitor. They called him the Lima curse instead of the Lima charm, because when he was awesome and loved, he was the Lima charm. So they turned it around. One of the primary people who called him the Lima curse was Trevor, who I think was his quarterback. Maybe. Trevor's been trying to contact him. Samson's been putting him off because he has nothing to say to that dude. 
Samson also has a date, one of his arranged dates. Rhiannon knows about this date because she's sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> she knows things. <laughs> she decides, well, I don't know. Like, she's she's a stalker, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's some stalkeriness. She figures out where Annabelle lives. <laughs> she she knows what's going on with Samson. It's, it's, it's a little creepy, a little bit. Yeah. She likes to get the jump on people. Yeah, which could be seen as a defense mechanism for her, but still, at a certain point. Yeah. She finds out where this date is taking place and arranges to go to the same place so that she can talk to him afterwards. His team tries to, the marketing team that he's working with, tries to, you know, get her out. But Samson says, a, Samson says no, she can stay. And then after they're done, after he's done with his, quote, date, he comes and talks to her. She lets him explain himself. I don't know. There's like some tension there. I don't know if it's sexual tension, but there's definitely still that attraction. Mutual attraction. She tells him, well, I didn't just come here for an apology. And then he's thinking, ooh. <laughs> and she's like, not that. <laughs> Redirect. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> But she says, I want to buy a matchmaker. Whoopsie. And I want you to help me talk to your aunt about it. <laughs> he agrees. Like, he says, I'll ask her if she'll meet with you. But she's very private. And you need to be fair with her. Don't play hardball. And Rihanna's like, okay. Sounds good. And she leaves. <laughs> She is gone. So after this meeting with Rhiannon, Samson, his brain is going. He's like, what do I want? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, right? Because she's she's like, I want something from you. I want you to give me an in with Matchmaker. He's like, well, what do I want? I want Rhiannon. <laughs> I want more time with her. <laughs> and he comes up with the idea of pivoting the marketing campaign that he's part of to being a like a, a partnered marketing campaign between Matchmaker and Crush, where he and Rhiannon meet because his disastrous first date was publicized. <laughs> As they should be. Right, right. So, <laughs> so kind of putting him in the role of guy who is new to online dating meets with woman who created crush and learns all about it and he's like that sounds really good because potentially we could see each other a lot <laughs> he approaches Rhiannon about it and she runs it by her marketing team and everything her her team loves it they think it's great and so they have a meeting they they go out they, they go out for drinks, I believe, and she's talking to him about it and laying out the rules. Like, this is a business partnership, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it being physical. She has, like, this, I, I don't know. I think she's succumbing to, to the attraction, the physical attraction that they have. Yeah, I mean, she does fight it for a while, but they can't fight forever. And there's this great line. He's like, well, what convinced you? And he, and she's like, your butt. 
And he's like, what? And she's all, let the cheeks speak. Mm. <laughs> so she, seen her, she, she saw his butt <laughs> just enough times that she decided, you know, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on that butt again. One can be tempted only so many times. <laughs> Basically, I don't know. She's a butt gal. <laughs> I kind of like um, when a female character in one of these books has like a physical thing that they're into like that. Because so often a guy is like a boob man or a leg man or whatever. Like You don't get that as much with women. No. It's kind of fun. And I mean, yeah, it's a little objectifying, I guess, either way, but... Part of their deal is they're going to record and release five videos of them meeting and talking. Time has passed. They've recorded four of these videos. They've got to know each other better. They talk more. There's been a kiss. He's gone downtown. They've had sex. But Rhiannon still does not trust him. For her, that door is still closed. (laughs) Samson, I think... He's not letting himself use the L word, but I think he's he's willing to do whatever it takes to keep her in his life. He also has finally been able to talk to his aunt about Rhiannon wanting to purchase Matchmaker. And his aunt says, well, actually, I have several other people who are interested as well in buying the company. And maybe that's what I should do. Maybe I'm just not cut out for this. You know, maybe this is something my sister was better at than me. <laughs> Annabelle decides she's going to have an event at her house where she invites all the people who want to buy her company for several days of a sleepover, sort of an interview. (laughs) Yeah, it's very odd. But again, Annabelle is she has her own drummer. Rhiannon's invitation is very funny. So Rhiannon's at work and a giant five-foot-tall, six-layer cake made of styrofoam is delivered to her office. Yikes. There's an invitation on the top, and she leans forward to read it, and then the cake explodes. Surprise! shouted the well-built man in tight leather pants who now stood in place of the cake. He tossed something in Rhiannon's direction, and she recoiled at the puff of glitter. What the fuck? she yelped. The man cleared his throat and unfurled a piece of paper. Hear ye, hear ye. Rhiannon Hunter, you have been invited to the home of Annabelle Costas to take part in a corporate extravaganza. You have a week to prepare your presentation and pitch for you know what. Please me, and perhaps you shall be pleased. Signed, Annabelle Costas. The man rolled up the paper and presented it with a smaller cake, an edible (laughs) replica of the giant fake cake. You can eat this one, he said with a wink. Well, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Rhiannon also learns because um, <laughs> one of the people who delivered the cake is uh, Annabelle's assistant, Tina. And Tina says, there are multiple interested parties, but the others were scented couriers with invitations. <laughs> but... This cake is a token of Annabelle's affection for the recent partnership our companies have enjoyed. (laughs) Her favoritism is very, um... Sparkly. Yeah. (laughs) Rhiannon goes to her office and calls Samson 
And he's like, hi, I'm so glad you called. And she says, I'm covered in pink glitter. <laughs> and he says, I'm not. <laughs> God, glitter gets everywhere. Sorry. It makes me itch. So they talk a little bit. And then she says, okay, well, I'm going to work on my pitch. I just wanted to thank you for talking to Annabelle for me. And he says, oh, you're welcome. You know, I'll see you next weekend at the extravaganza. Don't be afraid, but be afraid, but don't be afraid. Yeah. So during this time that she's working on her presentation, they have a lot of cute texting. There's some sexy texting. Um, He's very sweet and supportive. And he buys he buys lunch for her whole office like multiple times during the week. And, you know, so they're in contact, but they don't see each other. As he's driving up to his aunt's house, he gets a call from the doctor who did the autopsy for his uncle Joe and learns that he did, in fact, have CTE, which he basically knew. But there's a difference between knowing and having the doctor tell you. (laughs) Yeah. When something you don't want to be true is confirmed. It can hit a little hard. And he has plans to tell his aunt about it, but just doesn't exactly get the chance to tell her at first. But he does find out that the reason Trevor has been calling him is because his aunt gave Trevor his number. She is quite meddly. Yeah, the reason she did this is because Trevor is wanting to offer Samson a job that Annabelle thinks will be right up Samson's alley. And she's like, you know... You're not going to be spokesperson for Matchmaker forever. This would be something that would be good for you. You should talk to him. Do you think that she was right to meddle? I think giving the number was wrong. Hmm. Yeah, especially, I mean, his reaction is very strong. I think telling him, like urging him to contact Trevor would be fine. Especially because of the reason she gave Trevor his number. She knows what Trevor is asking So presumably, if she had a conversation with Trevor and then said, well, I'll ask him to contact you, I feel like that would have been fine. Yeah. But giving Trevor the number, I think, was overstepping. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially considering how Samson feels about Trevor and, like, when he left, that was very emotional for him. And having his teammates, Trevor in particular, and I think, what, Trevor the quarterback, you know? Yeah. Basically being like like insulting him and doing all of that. I think he was right to be upset at his aunt and perhaps Annabelle just shouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah, I think Annabelle in this book is kind of cast in like this magical fairy godmother sort of role. You know, she has the eccentricity. She's very hidden. She wears uh, like kind of extravagant type of clothes she has like this whole agenda like she knows oh if you take my my magical personality test then i'll be able to know everything i need to about you and who would be right for you and all these things and i think she's just kind of like a little machiavellian (laughs) she's a very fictional character yeah (laughs) i don't know Like, she almost feels like a parody to me. Like, not a real person. Well, it just seems like, for all of her missteps and and whatnot, I don't know. It's like, somehow she always gets a pass, and I'm not sure why. Because she's old and eccentric. 
guess. I don't know. It's it's something about this book. I would say the majority of the characters in this book are very, very realistic. Yeah. I felt that way too. You know, they have very they have very real motivations. You get a good sense of who they are. Like even the side characters, I think. However, Annabelle is one of the characters that just feels well, like I said, like a parody of a person. Like not like a real person. And part of it is just like, Woo, I'm gonna swoop in and stir the pot and wave my magic wand and make your life better. Yeah, she doesn't seem to be rooted in the fictional reality. Yeah, it doesn't feel that way to me. Which is funny, because there are parts where she talks with Samson, and there are parts where she talks with Rhiannon, where they're, they have very important conversations. And she says she says things that hit home for those characters. But at the same time, it's hard for me to take it as seriously, because the rest of the time, you know, she's dressed in a giant black gown with a black veil you know quote hiding from the crowd and you know meddling in people's lives and I I don't know do you think like one of the ways I was trying to interpret the character is she just has an intense sense of whimsy was that something you felt as well yeah she was definitely a whimsical character she kind of like what is the old lady version of the manic pixie dream girl like (laughs) Maud from Harold and Maud. I love Harold and Maud. <laughs> kind of like the fairy godmother, I guess. Like, just like the the whimsical, eccentric old lady. Oh, I know who she reminds me of, character-wise. Who? Remember that Cupid book that we read? Yeah. She kind of reminds me of oh, that girl, but like... Oh, Judy. Yeah. Well, yeah, and a little bit like tricks. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a trope for like the meddling eccentric old lady there probably is like a miss marple but without the murder yeah although miss marple isn't quite as fancy but that's that's who annabelle is to me and it's hard for me to take her seriously which is sad because because annabelle has like a really sad story she does okay everyone has gathered at annabelle's house we learn that as rhiannon suspected one of the other people who want to buy matchmaker is peter the CEO asshole. Yay. Not so much. Peter is gross. He is. She pretends he doesn't affect her at all. There's a couple other guys who who also are making a bid to purchase the company. I wanted to call him Pete the Cheat, but I don't think he actually cheats on it. He's just various kinds of butthole. Yeah, he's... Yeah, no. But not the cheaty butthole. As far as we know, there's no textual evidence. So they have a dinner. They kind of have like this really awkward conversation over dinner. Just, oh, we all want to buy your company. And here we all are eating dinner together, pretending it's fine. I actually haven't watched it, but I imagine it's kind of like The Bachelor. (laughs) It is because later she hands out roses. I didn't even make that correlation. Yeah, you're right. Um, Annabelle passes out the itinerary for tonight and tomorrow. The itinerary (laughs) includes 8 p.m. until question mark, exam, Saturday, 10 to 4, feats of strength, 5, rose garden ceremony. (laughs) (laughs) Annabelle explains that when they go to their rooms, they'll find tablets where they can 
complete their matchmaker questionnaires. And one of the guys there is like, are we here like to find love interests or to bid for your business? Yes. And she says, it's a personality test. I want to know who you are. And one of the other guys says, what in the hell are feats of strength? And she says, it's when you'll be pitching me and my CEO, William, your presentations. So there's Rhiannon, Peter the asshole, (laughs) and then the other two guys are Chris and Martin. And Martin gets pissed off and he's just like, I'm out. This is crazy. And leaves. Not what he was looking for. No. Rhiannon goes to her room for the night and she's texting with her friend or she's texting with Katrina. She's thinking about Samson. She's kind of wondering why he doesn't seem his normal happy self because they haven't had a chance to talk about the phone call he got earlier. And then she gets a knock on the door and without even thinking about it, because she's hoping it's Samson, she opens it up and it's Peter who just lets himself in. And then there, <laughs> it's great. It's just, That was all it took for Peter to muscle his way into her room, closing the door behind him so fast she didn't have a chance to stop him. Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's like, oh, we haven't had a chance to talk alone in so long. I thought it would be nice. Isn't it so funny that we're both trying to buy the same company? Hmm. I wouldn't call it funny. Not exactly. He wants her to sit down and chat with him. She says, spit out whatever you want to say, Peter. He's like, have a seat. She's like, no. (laughs) He gets pissed off. Her phone goes. She pulls it out to look at it. Peter's like, you're talking to me. Put your phone away. And she's like, no. And she texts Sam, come to my room right now. And if I don't answer, open the door no matter what. And she puts the phone away and she's like, okay, hopefully he'll come rescue me. Peter asks her if she wants to work on their presentations together. And she's like, no, I don't want to be colleagues with you. I don't want to work for you. I don't like any of this. Go away. And Peter says, I bet you wouldn't tell Samson to go away. You seem chummy. No, she totally would tell Samson to go away if she needed to. And he would go. Yeah, because he's a normal person. Yes. Who respects boundaries. Not to mention, why would somebody want to stay where they are not wanted? Seriously. But Peter is starting his old tricks again where he's like, oh, you must be trying to sleep your way to the top again. Uh, Fuck off, Pete. (laughs) You know, you're fucking Samson, so you'll be perceived more favorably. And then Samson lets himself in. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize there were other people in here. And then he goes... Is everything okay? (laughs) And Peter says, everything's fine. Leannon says, Peter was just leaving. I was not. And then she says, I want you to leave. And then Peter says, but you want him here. I see what's going on. And then he, he starts to yell at her and curse at her. And Samson grabs him by the throat and pins him against the wall. And he says, if I hit you, I could kill you. Do you see how that's possible? (laughs) And Peter nods. And Samson says, I don't care what your relationship with Rhiannon was, but if you ever speak to her like that again, if you ever ignore her request to leave her alone, I will find you. One hit is all it would take. Understand? (laughs) 
And then he lets him go. And Peter runs off like the dirty dog he is. How do you feel like Samson handled that? Good? Bad? Uh, I have mixed feelings. Care to unmix them? I like that he came to her rescue. And he followed her instructions. Mm -hmm. And he noticed what was going on. And he took her word for it and helped Peter leave. (laughs) I like all of that. That is awesome. That is great. And then after that, he stays with her, comforts her. She doesn't feel safe sleeping in the house. He takes her to his place that's nearby. And they spend the night together there. Very awesome. Very sweet. Very perfect. I have mixed feelings about the level he took it to. Okay. I guess with the threatening... And part of it, I guess, is just, this is a romance book. You have the the alpha. And, and I don't know, Samson, if he is alpha, he's very quiet about it for the most part. But this particular display is very alpha, I think. And I don't know, like threatening to kill someone? I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I appreciate the need to have a, a show or... A display of, for lack of a better way to put it, brute force on Samson's part. Yeah. And so I I understand the need for that. And I also wonder, like, I don't know if Peter would have favorably responded to anything else. As far as, like, threatening actually to kill him, I think that's that's a bit far. Especially because it's so expressly stated. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think if Samson had come in and pinned him against the wall and said something like, if she asks you to leave, you need to leave. Yeah. You know, and intimidated him or whatever, physically, that would have been fine. If he had come in and punched him in the face, I think that would have been fine under the circumstances. Initially, I was kind of actually like, I'm so glad he didn't punch him in the face because that seems like an over-the-top response but at the same time it's like well what does he actually do well he threatens to put him six feet under that's kind of more extreme than like a boop on the nose yeah it's it's definitely like the it's the difference between um reactionary and premeditated yes for me you know if he comes in and he reacts (laughs) if you count to 10 it's premeditated yeah yeah I mean, his initial thing where he reacts and he, like, stops him and pins him against the wall. Like, that's fine for for the story, for the context. Yeah. Oh, totally. But, totally. But then he's... And even him saying something like, if I hit you, I could do more damage than I think should be done, you know? Yeah, I mean... Like, I'm not oh hitting God. you because I could seriously injure you. So, like, I can imagine Samson, like cornering peter they they have different physiques so you know samson's taller broader etc etc essentially able to loom effectively yes over peter and just kind of like taking his his fist like like a hammer at his shoulder and just letting it kind of drop occasionally and just kind of going you see how this would hurt right (laughs) or something like that where it's just it's sort of implying the threat, but not not like like you were saying, like premeditated. I am going to kill you. You better hope he doesn't end up dead somewhere, or guess who's number one suspect, buddy? I mean, there's ways to be, not to be creepy about it, but there's ways to be 
threatening without being explicit. And I think maybe, maybe in that moment it would have been better either to be threatening and not explicit or to have a knee-jerk reaction of seeing her in danger, maybe punching him, I don't know. But yeah, the threatening of murder goes it a little bit too far because that feels less safe for her. But I mean, she feels safe with him, so that's fine. I mean, honestly, this sounds really over the top, but if it, if he had run in and punched him <laughs> and he ended up in the hospital or something due to the strength of Samson's punch, that would have felt better to me than him threatening to, t- to kill him. So as it was written, it felt anticlimactic? No, it felt like it was too much. Like for me, for some reason, the threat to kill him is, is worse than punching him so hard he ends up in the hospital. Of course, then I'd be criticizing him for not controlling himself. You know, you know how I am. Yes. Sorry, Samson, you just can't win this one. The road traveled or least traveled, (laughs) either way you're fucked. Because you're going to get criticized. So just pick the road you want and go. (laughs) Uh, Just go. (laughs) But this whole experience for Rhiannon softens her toward him. Like, she is allowing herself to open up a little bit and trust him at least a little bit because he saved her. Yes. She asked him to save her and he saved her. He was a man of his word. Yeah. And that is a huge, huge deal to her. And while she should have been able to tell Peter, fuck off and die. And Peter should have just left. (laughs) And fucked off and then died in not suspicious circumstances (laughs) some sort of natural Peter just happens to have a up until now unknown (laughs) medical condition or or maybe you know he got bit by an angry squirrel or something and just drove off the side of a cliff or something yeah you know something fun like that the squirrel would get away I wouldn't hurt the fictional squirrel that's good. <laughs> that makes it okay. Yeah, well, you know, the squirrel's not an asshole. I don't know. Squirrel jumped in and bit the guy. I don't know. A friendly squirrel that does that. The squirrel had reasons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the following morning or the following day, Rhiannon is doing her presentation with Annabelle and Annabelle CEO William, who we haven't really discussed too much, but William's kind of an asshole too. Yeah, and it's it's not surprising that Peter and William are, you know, pinky swearing things. Yeah, you kind of get the impression that Peter has met with William and William's kind of been like, yeah, 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 here, I will help yeah, you. Yeah, they're cut from the same assholey cloth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's a good thing we mark this podcast explicit. <laughs> For when I'm tired and I say things like that. We're being very uh, vulgar today. <laughs> Both of us. Well. But at any rate, Rhiannon feels like she's bombing this presentation. She doesn't know exactly what to do. Samson has given her one hint, and the hint is talk to Annabelle. Don't do a PowerPoint because that won't fly with her. Rhiannon has created a PowerPoint, but is trying to take Samson's advice and trying to trust him. And talking to her and 
Annabelle's asking her questions and it almost feels like they're getting to know each other versus Rhiannon's making a pitch. William brings up that Rhiannon had worked for Swipe. Thanks, William. And Rhiannon keeps trying to bring the conversation back to her proposal and William keeps bringing it back to what he knows about Rhiannon, which is what Peter told him, which is lies. And William mentions, oh, I understand you're in a personal relationship with Samson. Please understand, he has no say in our decision-making process. Now, Annabelle calls him out on it and is like, that is not called for. And Annabelle even says, William, you have no say in my decision either. So, fuck off. (laughs) She doesn't say fuck off, but the sentiment is there. (laughs) The fuck off is implied. So that's kind of how the presentation ends. And it's just kind of depressing for Rhiannon. And she sends out like, I love you. I miss you to, you know, Katrina and her mom and just everybody, you know, to kind of get like the warm fuzzies back. Yay, fuzzies. Not just for slippers. After Annabelle hears all the presentations, she has a talk with Samson and says that it's really down to Rhiannon's proposal and Peter's proposal. And Peter offered more money. And Samson says, you should counter Rhiannon because you don't want to work with Peter. (laughs) Annabelle actually says, you know, I agree that I don't want to work with Peter because after I learned about how Rhiannon left Swipe, I dug into it and found out that there have been complaints about Peter from multiple women. And I spoke with one of them and it was terrible. (laughs) And Samson says, well, what did she say? Annabelle says, that's private. But if there's anything you want to add. And Samson keeps Rhiannon's secrets and says, I believe them. Listen to them. But he doesn't say anything about the meeting with Peter last night, how that went or anything else that he knows about Rhiannon's past relationship with Peter. So he's a good boy. Yay! Now we're at the rose ceremony, and Annabelle tells Peter that she's declined his offer and that she'd like to meet with Rhiannon in her office, and then she just leaves. Peter, he is another character in this book. I I would say he's the other character in this book, this kind of a caricature. (laughs) Yeah, I felt that way a little bit at times. He's just so evil. We don't know why he's evil. That's the problem, I guess. Yeah. What makes him tick? He's just a guy who's terrible. Like, that's... Is anyone just terrible for no reason? No, I think there are reasons for the terribleness. There should be with characters. Characters should be motivated by something. Maybe maybe he's motivated because he wants a terrible glass of water. <laughs> Peter's just a terrible person, and there's no reason for it in the story he just is he's just awful so he says some nasty stuff and then like huffs off (laughs) Rhiannon meets with Annabelle in the office Annabelle says this is my counter offer and she counters with the amount that Peter had offered her Rhiannon's upset because that's overpaying Peter was willing to overpay just to get the company But she doesn't say anything like that to Annabelle. She just says, I will need to check with my partner and discuss it with them. Annabelle says, I'll give you a week. 
and Rhiannon's thinking, why on earth did she decline Peter? And immediately jumps to conclusions and is like, Samson must have told her how vile Peter is. Yeah. And she does not want a pity win. And so she asks Annabelle, why did you decline Peter? And Annabelle says, basically, like, I didn't like him. Like, I didn't have a good impression of him or whatever. He wasn't my jam. And Rhiannon pushes and Annabelle says, I didn't care for some of the things I heard about Peter's past. That's all. And Rhiannon says, do those things in his past have to do with me? And Annabelle looks away and says, of course not. And so Rhiannon on the spot declines the offer. (laughs) And so she leaves. Annabelle's just like, WTF, man. (laughs) And as Rhiannon's on her way out the door, she runs into Samson and he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she's like, don't touch me. (laughs) And she tells Samson this. She says... She refused Peter because you told her what I told you about me and Peter after I said not to say anything. And Samson's like, no, I did. <laughs> and he's trying to explain. Rihanna's just not having it. He's like, we can talk. Let's go to my house and talk. And she's like, no, goodbye. There will be no talk. And so she deletes him from her contacts. <laughs> yeah. She's like, declined, deleted. My trust issues are back. (laughs) In full force. Stronger than ever. (laughs) New and improved. It turns out, though, that the the woman that Annabelle spoke with about Peter's past decided to go to the press about the situation. And because she spoke up, more women are speaking up. And then Rhiannon actually has an interview where she's asked questions about it as well. And she tells her story. Yay! Which is awesome and empowering and good for her. Mm-hmm. And, and fuck Peter. But not literally. And then Rhiannon goes to her brother's engagement party. So she's on a plane. She decides she's going to turn off her phone for 24 hours and just be at home and get some healing from her mother and brother. And then we have the mother talk. You know, we got to. Yes. How do you feel about this mother? (laughs) I liked her. Yeah. I liked that moment where there was the advice that... Oh, the success is the best revenge. Yes. The success advice that Re carried with her. You know, she used as such a foundation to achieve all that she achieved. And her mother was like, did I tell you that? (laughs) I don't remember telling you that. I told you all kinds of things. Yeah. I love that. And her mom says, too, well, if it's helped, it's great, but I wouldn't advise you to use every snippet I said to you as a child in your adult life. (laughs) Half the time, I was throwing stuff at the wall in the hopes that it would keep you balanced and well-grounded in that school full of toxic assholes. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Not always the advice given as children is what one should take into adulthood. There has to be a severing. Don't you think? Yeah. Severing for characters to mark their growing up. And then her mom says to her, let me make it clear. Success is the best revenge? No. Sometimes revenge is the best revenge. <laughs> and then her brother says, what you did wasn't revenge, though, Re. It was justice. Justice is the best justice. 
So what do you think of her interactions with her family and the advice that they gave her? I liked it. It it was kind of nice to get a moment where Re was interacting with her family because throughout the whole rest of the book, I mean, we've got like 40 pages till the end at this point, 30 pages till the end. Yeah. We're nearing the end of the road. And up until this point, her family, she avoids them. Yeah, I wonder why. Because it's not that she dislikes them. I think she sometimes has a difficult time with her mother, but she seems to have a great affection for her brother. Well, here's my theory, is that she has these walls that she put up. She built them when she was in elementary school. She reinforced them after that relationship with Peter and no one is allowed in. Yeah. Zero people. And as a result, she cuts herself off from everyone, especially the people that know her. So they can't see what she endured with Peter and make value judgments on her? That's what she's afraid of. Not that they would, but that... Yeah, possibly. Or just because they would know how much it hurt her and it would run counter to the story that she's telling about herself, yeah. how she's this unshakable ice queen. But I think it's it's that. She doesn't want people to know her secret, uh-huh. that she actually was hurt, that she actually is vulnerable. She doesn't want anyone to know. And so her brother and her mom do know because they were there. I think that's why. No, I think that's a good theory. And so I like this the scene we get with the with her coming home to her family because it shows character growth for Rhiannon. Yeah. She's letting them in. She's letting them love her, which is a big deal for her. Yeah, I think it is now that I see it that way. Yeah, it is a big deal for her. I mean, even with her relationships, like her other relationships, she's turned them all into business relationships. Her BFF, Katrina is also her business partner. Yeah. Her other friend, Lakshmi, is her personal assistant. Keeping keeping people in their place. Yeah, she has everyone in their lane. So while she's getting some healing from her family, Samson is also getting some healing from his family. He's talking to his friends. He's found out that his friend is working with Trevor. And it turns out that the reason he is is because Trevor's organization is a nonprofit to help uh, players, football players who have symptoms of CTE. Samson's friend shows him a video of a younger football player, a current player, who has the word Lima written on his arm, and that's Samson's last name. And the reporter asks him on the video, the reporter asks him, Oh, why do you have that written on your arm? And he says, oh, it's the anniversary of the charm walking off the field. Like, it was always powerful for me as a kid to see other Samoans in the sport that I loved, other guys who looked like me. But when Samson Lima took a stand and straight up quit because his teammate wasn't getting the right care, I mean, that was some formative stuff. I'll remember that until I die. And it kind of flips the switch for Samson, I think. I think he realizes times have changed. A bit. Yes. Now he's an icon. He's a hero, whether or not he wants to be. He didn't walk off the field to be a hero, but it was a heroic act, and people recognize it that way. Mm-hmm. So Samson, after talking to his friend and learning all this stuff, calls Trevor and agrees to meet with him. 
on the condition that he gets a public apology. And Trevor's like, well, I, I do regret that I called you the Lima curse. And Samson's like, yeah, if you regret it, you'll give me a public apology. Yeah. <laughs> but this is very telling, too, because up until he started getting called the Lima curse, he was the Lima charm. And he's explaining this to Trevor. It's, he says, do you know where my nickname started? From my father. When he was himself, before the disease turned him into someone I didn't recognize, that was all I had of him, and you twisted that. That part of my legacy, you destroyed it. I want a fucking apology. And then Trevor's like, okay, I will do that. I will deliver the apology on a couple morning shows next week when I'm on them. Yay! And they they make a plan to meet up and discuss the position Trevor wants Samson to have, which is to be the spokesperson for his nonprofit because he has this heroic act of walking off the field. It would be very impactful for him to be part of this nonprofit. And it is, it is a, a cause that Samson cares about very much. So it is a good fit, just like Aunt Belle said. Yay. And then he sees that he got a text from Rhiannon asking him to come pick her up from the airport. And he's like, Yes. (laughs) So he picks her up from the airport. She asks him, oh, did Annabelle offer the company to anyone else? And Samson's like, no. And Rhiannon says, well, I was thinking about asking her instead of buying the company, if I could invest in the company and work at a partnership level. And then Samson kind of diverts that talk into, hmm, I would like a partnership as well. with you (laughs) they talk he tells her what's going on with him she tells him what is going on with her and they figure it out and he asks her can we be serious and she says yes and then he says i'll probably love you soon and she says i'll love you soon too and then it's all over for you (laughs) (laughs) my love is a threat but That's where the story ends. Just very sweet. They've reconciled and are possibly in love. So, Em, how was the audiobook this time? Uh, So, the audiobook this time was narrated by Summer Morton and Brian Colling. I think that, although they didn't always necessarily feel in sync, like their performances weren't always in sync, I feel like they gave really great individual performances. And that Morton was really good, I think, at portraying Bree's jaded yet vulnerable qualities. I think Colling did a good job about making Samson's character, you know, tough yet nurturing. Because that's the thing is Samson, despite being like Mr. Athleticism, (laughs) like he is, he's totally nurturing and, and whatnot. Yeah, he's the caretaker. Yeah. Which is a little bit of a role reversal, I feel. You know, it's often that the female character is that. I agree. He was doing more, it felt like, the emotional labor than she was. Because so often it's grumpy guy meets chipper girl and she makes him laugh. And thus begins her emotional labor journey. (laughs) With this, it really felt like it was reversed, which was different, which I like. That is a good point. You know, we have a grumpy girl this time. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, it makes sense, given her backstory and everything. You know, she wasn't grumpy for no reason. She's grumpy because, you know. Right. The world is a butthole sometimes. 
But she was able to overcome and become successful and get her revenge. <laughs> so were you happy for their happy? I was. I really like them together. I think they had good chemistry. The physical attraction was really well portrayed in the book. And I liked how respectful Samson was of Rhiannon's boundaries. Yeah. And how... You know, he wanted what he wanted, and he told her what he wanted, but I'll stay over here until you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice, like not pushy. We got a lot of, I mean, we kind of glossed over it, but they did have a lot of couple time where they talked, and they got to know each other, and they learned more about their histories and why they are the way they are and that kind of thing, and you really get the impression that they are friends and they are compatible it makes sense for them to end up together. Yeah, I think they had a very solid romantic journey. Like, I did not feel at the end of the story like, oof, they should go separate ways. What's going on here? <laughs> so is it safe to say you're happy for their happy too? I was, yeah. I liked, like, when they had their date time. They were sort of learning each other because they both went in with preconceived notions. And they... Yeah, they did. Had to figure out what was correct and what was incorrect. Find their footing. How would you rate um, Rhiannon as a heroine? I thought she was awesome. I enjoyed her. I enjoyed her cynicalness. Big surprise, right? Did you relate? <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I could easily see Rhiannon and I in a room, opposite sides of that room, and just kind of give each other like knowing nods. Like I see. Yeah, you. we don't we don't need to interact. <laughs> like, that, that is not needed. We understand each other <laughs> on, a, on a spiritual level, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> what about you? How did you rate Rhiannon? I kind of feel like she has an A side and a B side for me. Really? Okay, that's cool. I think she's our first A side B side female. Yeah, I think so because there are a lot of things about Rhiannon that really turned me off. Oh. How closed off she is, how she's willing, to, like, how she's not even willing to to try at the emotional stuff for a large percentage of the book. Yeah. And the second it looks like it's possibly the wrong choice, she's like, nope, 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 I take it all back. <laughs> you know, immediately. Can't fail. She definitely has some character growth because at the end... You know, she lets him explain what happened and it's all fine. And, and she realizes she can trust him and maybe she can trust other people and let them in. But for a large part of the book, she did not feel that way. And it was hard to, it, it was hard for me to connect with her, I Do guess. Do you feel like the change initially? Was, wasn't gradual enough? I think, I think the author portrayed it in a natural way. I think it made sense for the character. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it was just, I didn't connect initially. Okay. And there are things about her that I, I especially like and appreciate. Like, I like how strong she mm -hmm. is. Um, she's a survivor. She's a badass. She owns a multi-million dollar company. Yeah, she's savvy. Yeah, she's, she's amazing at everything except for the interpersonal relationship stuff. Which is basically, like you pointed out earlier the typical hero in a book and all those things about her I really really liked I guess I wanted a little more introspection I think maybe if we had a little bit more introspection on the page I would have felt better okay but overall 
I would say she's provisionally awesome. <laughs> well, what about the hero? What did you think of Samson? Oh, Samson was awesome. <laughs> yeah, A plus. He was an easy awesome <laughs> for you. Oh, he was so like yeah, absolutely. He ticks all the boxes. You know, he's a big teddy bear. <laughs> he's protective, but nurturing. He's not pushy. Yeah. You know, he's very much like, this is what I want. You know, this is what I'm looking for, but I will accept your answer. And that's awesome. Yeah. And he had a really good character journey as well, although a little less um, front and center as Rhiannon's was, but still good growth for him. What about you? Yeah, no, I thought Samson was awesome. I liked that he, he complimented her very well, and he kind of was that more romance heroine character you know what i mean but yeah unlike so many romance heroines he was given his agency he was Mm -hmm. allowed to be competent in things which was nice (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah i mean i i like that he wasn't that he wasn't necessarily the kind of here that i expected when i was like oh football player okay what about the villains in this book? Um, let's see. We had Pete the Prick and William. I think sometimes Pete, because he was supposed to, I think, be like the central villain, right? Because you have William, who's sort of like a, like ancillary villain. Yeah. And maybe, maybe with Pete, make the, maybe not the patriarchy, but you know, the old boys club or whatever. That sort of thing. Peter is Gaston. <laughs> no one. <laughs> yeah. And what is his, what What was Gaston's sidekick's name? LeFou. Yeah, William is LeFou. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I liked sort of what Peter was representing for the story. And... I definitely liked disliking him. Yeah, he was him, easy to hate. But I agree with you that he didn't feel like a fleshed out full character quite quite so much. Maybe we needed more time with him. Maybe we needed, you know, like she could have had some flashbacks or something. But you know what I mean? Like some way she could have shown how he got to be that way. Or why he thinks being that way is acceptable. And why he chooses to behave that way to get what he wants. Like, what's his motivation? And, I mean, that would be great to have that for William, too. And William was just so weird for me to be with Annabelle. Because I'm assuming William is like a holdover from Jennifer, right? Yeah. Because he was in love with Jennifer and that's why he's got, you know, a stick up his butt. You know, like he's in mourning. Or is he just (laughs) like... I, okay, here's my theory on William. Okay. William knows both sisters because he's a holdover from when Jennifer was alive. He pegged Jennifer as the power behind the team. Right. And when Jennifer died, he thought, this is my chance. Mm. And he tried to take advantage of Annabelle. Do we know how long William was with them? Like if he was a recent addition and was like biding his time or... Was he, like, been with the company forever? Well, either way, he'd still feel entitled, so. Yeah, no, we don't know. I don't, I don't think the text says. So for me, I agree. Um, I, think, I think Peter was 
for the most part, an effective villain. He was definitely present. Yeah. I loved to hate him, just like you. He was very hateable. He was very cartoonishly villainy, <laughs> villainous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what the author could have done to change it, but I do feel like his character would have benefited from some sort of backstory or some sort of reason for him to be such an asshole. Like, maybe there could have been an interaction with Peter and Rhiannon earlier in the story where he's not being a butthole. Maybe. Maybe some part of that interaction could have been genuine, so we would have seen, you know, a less stinky side of him. Or, like, maybe he was genuinely hurt when Rhiannon broke up with him, and that's why he decided to lash out or something. Yeah, and then he, like... You know, get some therapy. Or maybe he misinterpreted <laughs> something. Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's no reason Yeah. for him to be so despicable. For William, I agree. It is It is kind of odd that he was with Aunt. Like, he was partnered with Annabelle. Yeah, since they just... <laughs> that he works with her. They just don't vibe. <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, like, he doesn't seem to get Annabelle. Why is he there? Yeah, but it does seem, too, that over the course of the story, Annabelle steps up to her position. Like, at the beginning of the story, she's hiding. Like, she goes That's off true. and yeah. runs away from all the interviews and everything. And at the end of the story, she's, you know, doing this whole production to interview people who want to buy her company. Which... And maybe she just kind of let William run the show yeah. initially, and he thought that's how things were going to be. <laughs> Sucker. And he just happened to be wrong. Yes, he chose poorly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. I also put Trevor on my list because oh, even yeah. though Trevor had some personal change off the page and he's not the person Samson remembers him to be, he's a very present villain in Samson's life. He's the one who started calling him the Lima curse. He's the one who polluted samson's memories and polluted his reputation and all of that so i think it was worthwhile to point him out and trevor is a well-formed character it makes sense for him to have been an asshole when samson walked off the field because he had a personal stake yeah, he did and it makes sense for him to hold a grudge about it even i mean it's not necessarily the what I would say the right choice is, but it, it's a reasonable choice. And then finally on the list, I put the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> because you shouldn't make concussed players continue to play and get extra concussions. This is true. It's fucked up. This is true. So how did you rate the book? Well, I rated it a 4.5. I really enjoyed it. I was very entertained. Nice. What about you? What did you rate it? I rated it a three. And the reason I rated it a three, for me, it was fine. It was good. I read it. I liked it. But it didn't It didn't speak to me. You know, I didn't have that connection with the heroine that I would have liked to have had. I can see that. I don't know. I think I really just liked Rhiannon. <laughs> like, I said, like I said, I could just easily see us just like, yes, I understand you. <laughs> So, did you feel romanced? Yeah, I think Yay! so. I think for the most part I did. There were there were a couple parts where Rhiannon, you know, retreated back into her hidey hole and she's like, "No, no, leave me." Alone. 
It's dark and comfy stab, here. Stab. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but all the interactions between her and Samson felt so natural and so comfortable and so realistic. And I really appreciated that. And yes, they did. He's just so good to her and so patient with her. And I know it was very sweet. What about you? Did you feel romanced? I did feel romanced. I know we're starting to not feel shocked about it. It's starting to happen more frequently. I know it's it's a thing. <laughs> How weird. Anyway, yeah, I just felt like it they, they complimented each other. I liked their journey, their journey of like forgiveness and and whatnot, which I thought was great because they both had to kind of forgive people and maybe forgive themselves a little bit. And all the trust issues. Yes, and let, let some of the the chips on their shoulders flake off a bit so that they could be happy totally. so they aren't weighted down by them. So, no, I liked it. What else have you been reading? So, I just finished reading, well, rereading, because I read it, like, when it came out, which is about a decade ago. It's called The Panic Virus, A True Story of Medicine, Science, and Fear by Seth Mnookin. It covers a lot of things, but it does cover sort of the history of vaccines in the U.S. and also how the notion of vaccines being related to like autism and things like that. Would you say the writing style is accessible? I think if you're looking for accessibility, the audiobook is probably the best way to go. He packs a lot of information, which can sometimes be overwhelming, but it is a very interesting and informative read. So you need to read it so we can talk about it. <laughs> I want to talk about it with somebody. Somebody else has to read this book. All right, I will put it on my <laughs> list. I'm clicking want to read Yay. right now. Yay. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> oh, I'm scrolling down on Goodreads and you know how they have the popular answered questions. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> one of the one of the questions is, is it too scary to read? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Stephen King book. You'll be fine. <laughs> what about you? What have you been reading? So I recently finished the fourth installment of the VIP series by Kristen Callahan. And this one is called Exposed. Oh. It's a romance series. Each book covers a different member of a popular rock band and their love story. <laughs> and this one is about the bass player rye okay and he has always had a thing for the band's publicist brenna and she's always had a thing for him but he cut her off like early on he's like no this can't be a thing ever 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 oh. you know and so he he made light of her crush as he called it oh, no. initially when the band first started and ever since, they've basically been sniping at each other. <laughs> so it's a little bit of haters to lovers, a little bit of unrequited love. And it's really good. Uh, something the author does that I really appreciate is she explores the emotional um, connection that the characters have. And all her characters go through a, a personal journey. And I really oh. appreciate how she does it. Every every book in this series so far has a different type of hero. And they all have their own stuff. And they all work through their stuff. And they get together with the perfect woman for them. Yay! I don't suppose there's a pirate. 
<laughs> no. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I'm starting to get punchy. Yeah, I can tell. Each book has been good, though. I really liked this one, and it was just released this summer, and everyone has been looking forward to this story <laughs> because, you know, it's a good haters to lovers. You gotta love it if it's your thing. Yay! Okay, that's it for this time. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com, for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. And don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Join us next time when we discuss Rafe, a buff male nanny. <laughs> you sound so serious. A buff male nanny. <laughs> Join us. <laughs> Join us next time when we discuss Rafe, a buff male nanny. <laughs> I don't know if that's better. Excuse my childish cackling and continue. I can't because it brings up my own childish. I want a buff male nanny. Join us next time when we discuss Rafe, a buff male nanny, by Rebecca Weatherspoon. (laughs) Hey, I got through it. (laughs) (laughs) I could do it weirder. Join us next time when we discuss Rafe, a buff male nanny. Oh, I like it. You gotta use the sex operator voice, girl. <laughs> <laughs> is this is going in the outtakes, or should we save? <laughs> <laughs> no, because then it makes it sound like I'm making fun of the book. You're not making fun of the okay. book. You're making fun of yourself. Okay. Saying the title. I don't mind making fun of myself. I just don't want it to be misinterpreted as me making fun of. No. Okay.